0: Why are you friends with that person? Think about it. So your closest friends. Your one or two closest friends. What makes them what makes them your besties? Answers? Who's got cool answers? Trust. You trust the person? Sure. The person really wants to know you. He's he's into you. Best, spent, best friend speaks truth into her life, uh, whether, whether she wants it or not. <laughs> yeah, why? He's always there for you, uh, faithfulness. See, like a dog. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. One more? Good quality. Oh, things in common. Things in common. Yeah, you enjoy each other. Sure. All uh, really good answers. Uh, second, second question, semi-related, but you have to shift gears a little bit. You have to, you have to shift brain gears. What do you see in people? What do you see in people? It's an interesting question. Like you know, because like when a gal gets interested in a guy and her friends don't get it, they say, "What do you see in him?" Well, just generally, what do you see in people? People that, let's say, people that you like. What do you see in people? Tim potential. I heard two potentials. You see potentials? You like people who need work? That's interesting. <laughs> because potential is, you know, kind of like needs work. But I mean, it's a perfectly valid question, but a valid answer. But that's a really interesting response, right? What else? What do you see in people when you look at them? Like, oh, I like that person. What, what are you seeing? What? Quality? Quality? Character? Powerful words. Confidence. You see confidence in the people. That's attractive. You like them. I didn't hear that. Things that are unique. Oh, yeah. Like, you see interest. What an interesting person. When I travel around and people ask me, um, when I minister elsewhere, so what's your church like? I say, per capita, the most interesting place I've ever been. <laughs> true? Yeah. Not true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my favorite form of evangelism, to use that christian word, evangelism, is, uh, is, is to look at someone and see what God has put in them. You know, maybe stuff that they themselves have not discovered yet. And to, and to call it out and to identify it and say, oh, I think, I think God has made you this sort of person. And I find that to be the most fruitful sort of preaching uh, there is. Uh, to non-believers, um, to, kind of, to kind of call to what is most essential and powerful uh, in the person standing in front of me. I try to be good at that. I try to be good at that. I mean, that can be, that can be sort of a challenging thing to do, to look at someone and to really see them truly and deeply. Uh, but I think it's a really powerful uh, kingdom ministry. Uh, but, but what is the truest thing about a person? What is the deepest thing about a person? What's the most powerful thing about a person? What do you appeal to in a person? And what do you find appealing in a person? I think those sorts of questions are bedrock questions when it comes to having really powerful relationships. You know, it's, it's going true. It's getting to that stuff that I think counts for most. And I mention all that stuff about uh, relationships and friendships uh, because today we're continuing our sermon series on the life of David, a really, really famous uh, character in the in the Old Testament. And today we're looking at what is probably the most famous friendship in ancient history. Uh, I'm talking about the friendship between David and Jonathan. Uh, David was uh, just this poor shepherd boy um, in uh, out in the out in the fields, and uh, the prophet Samuel came and anointed him king. He said, someday you're going to be king's son. David was just a teenager at the time. Uh, A little while later, uh, Dave ends up killing uh, a giant named Goliath. Maybe you've heard that story. Uh, And uh, and Jonathan, uh, the son of King Saul, the son of the current king, uh, whom David is supposed to replace, witnesses uh, David's battle against Goliath. And Jonathan just goes gaga over David. And it's just like, man, that is a guy uh, I want to be friends with. And thus begins uh, what is, I think, the most celebrated friendship, uh, at least in in the Old Testament. So what I want to do, it's it's kind of a long story uh, in the book of 2 Samuel. It even bleeds, I'm 1 Samuel, it even bleeds into 2 Samuel a little bit. What I want to do is very quickly tell the whole story of the famous friendship of David and Jonathan in brief. I want to sort of summarize it and get through it. And and one way I've helped that along is that we've printed uh, in your bulletin some excerpts from the story, little pieces uh, from different parts of the story. You can follow along in your program, or it will be up here on the big board to my left. Or you can follow along in your own Bibles if you're really quick. Uh, so, the first thing uh, I think we need to know about this friendship is is, uh, is not really about david directly it 's about it 's about Jonathan uh, Jonathan was a young man, probably older than David at the time the friendship started, and Jonathan, again, the son of King Saul, the current king who 's not a nice guy, who was a lot like David. Uh, we find out even before introduced to david before introduced to David. Uh, uh, a few chapters before David makes his appearance, um, we read uh, that Jonathan was already serving in his father's army. Uh, Jonathan was already a young warrior out there in the field fighting the Philistines who were constantly invading uh, Israelite territory. Um, so here's an excerpt, uh, the first in your program, uh, beginning First Samuel 14. Uh, Jonathan is is out on patrol, and uh, he's walking around with a, a young guy, he's probably quite young, 12, 13 years old, an armor bearer who would basically carry Jonathan's spare spears and stuff like that. And so Jonathan's out on patrol, and he spies a Philistine encampment over the ridge. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. I believe in the original Hebrew it's something like uncircumcised dogs. It's sort sort of an insult. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet up the ridge with his armor bearer right behind him. This was a cool kid. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area of about half an acre. The dude just just threw down and attacked a whole, whole squadron of Philistines by himself. Who does that sound like to you? Well, I mean, that sounds a little bit like David attacking Goliath, right? There, there was a bit of a, of a similar spirit. What I, what I have always loved about this little Jonathan story uh, is, is the line, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Um, you might read that and say, perhaps. Well, this guy doesn't have a lot of faith. Well, I mean, yes and no. He had a lot of courage. I'm going to throw myself at 20 armed men on the off chance that God comes through for me. That's courage, you know, because he knew that he might die. I, I love that attitude, right? It's just dripping with attitude. I, I just think that's a great story. Give me snaps if you agree. Thanks, I'm feeling a little lonely. Come on. Um, so, given that background, given that that was the kind of guy that Jonathan was, it's natural that Jonathan should react really well when he sees David go at Goliath. You remember that story. We went at it a couple weeks ago. David just went out to Goliath with his sling, and David was just dripping with attitude and trash-talking the giants and trash-talking the Philistines. It makes sense that a guy like Jonathan would be like, Oh, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. I like that kid. <clears throat> and so after, after David kills uh, <clears throat> Goliath, uh, Jonathan just just goes gaga over him, uh, like I said. Uh, from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family after David killed Goliath. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan sees David, sees his character on the battlefield, and it's like, I, I love him as myself. I am bonded with that guy. There's just this love Explodes uh, in his heart uh, for this guy David. Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic um, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Everything that Jonathan had to give in the way of you know warrior equipment and royal apparel, he gives to David on the spot. There's an incredible gesture uh, in that day and age. So immediate fondness, immediate bonding. On the basis of what Jonathan observes uh, in, in David, that one with spirit um, is the way that the Bible describes uh, their, their friendship from uh, the get-go. Uh, the little problem in, in the story was that King Saul, who with Jonathan's dad, hated David. Why? Well, because Saul was very insecure. Uh, We already talked about this in previous sermons. Saul was a very insecure guy. David becomes a national hero after he kills Goliath. And so Saul, being a good king, decides that he's going to kill David, uh, lest David become a threat to his own reputation. Um, And uh, and that creates some tension in, in the family, right? Jonathan really loves David, uh, Saul wants to kill David. Uh, that's a that's a family issue. That's what we call an issue, right there. Um, and uh, and and David and Jonathan need to navigate this. Um, and uh, there's some, you know, there's some there's some give and take here. First, Jonathan just can't believe that his dad hates David so much. So first, Jonathan denies it. Oh, he's not really trying to kill you, is he, David? And David said, yeah, it is. So they cook up this plan where David's going to absent himself from the king's household for a few days to see what Saul's reaction is. Saul's reaction is, where is that little so-and-so? I want to kill him. Um, so Saul sort of outs himself in uh, his murderous uh, intent. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Oh, never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes, Jonathan. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must know this, or must not know this, or he will be grieved. That's why he's keeping the secret from you. <clears throat> Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only one step between me and death. <laughs> nice line. Jonathan said to David, "Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you." Um, so Jonathan says, "I will help you as best as I can, uh, David. There comes this little interaction uh, where uh, Jonathan uh, makes excuses for David's absence. This isn't in your program, Uh, but it goes like this from 1 Samuel 20. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. He's saying this to his own son. You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, says a little bit about Saul's married life too. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse, that's David, to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? It's not my fault, it's your mom's fault. As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established, which is kind of a good point. You know, David could take the kingship from you, Jonathan, you should hate him too. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Saul tries to kill his own son, Jonathan, out of anger at David. Not a healthy family unit. This is not a healthy system. Uh, There's some uh, junk going down Uh, So David and Jonathan cook up a plan of escape. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to town. David flees for his life, but Jonathan decides to stay by his father's side, and we need to understand this in the story. Um, Jonathan, in a way, does side with David. Jonathan understands that David is innocent. Jonathan understands that his father, King Saul, is bad for the country. And I think Jonathan understands that Saul has some anger issues because Saul did try to kill him, right? Jonathan understands everything, but he still stays by his dad and dismisses David to flee into the wilderness. But they depart uh, very amicably uh, with, uh, with a lot uh, of love, Jonathan sticks with his dad. In fact, he sticks with his dad uh, with, his, with his life. Um, a little while well, some years uh, later, Saul continues to ruin the country and to antagonize the Philistines. He relies on Jonathan uh, in a lot of, of the battles that he wages. Uh, one time, Saul, in his anger, pushes the Philistines a little too hard. The Philistines were in hot, hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and uh, Melchishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul basically gets himself, and uh, and Jonathan killed. Um, in a fight with the Philistines. Probably a bad idea that Saul had dismissed his best military commander, David. Uh, Jonathan stuck by by his father's side even to the point of death, defending a madman. Um, But that's what he chose to do. chose to honor his dad in that way. David hears about Jonathan's death. And being David... Uh, being a, a singer-songwriter, a guitarist, and a psalmist, uh, he immediately writes a song—a song of lament for the parting uh, of his uh, of his friend Jonathan. In that song, he also praises Saul, I think, as a gesture to Jonathan. Uh, and the song is a gushing love song. We read about it in the opening chapter of Second Samuel, Second Samuel one. Uh, here's an excerpt. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. Have you ever said that to any of your guy friends, guys, any of your bromances? Man, your love for me is better than the love of a woman. If you say that, do not post it on Facebook <laughs> um, yeah,' uh, to a lot of you know postmodern deconstructionists have seized that song and said, "Well, obviously David and Jonathan were gay lovers, uh, I guess probably reading a bit much into it. Um, if they were, they certainly wouldn 't have celebrated it publicly uh, because it was against the law back then, and it would have gotten them killed. Um, no, they're just, I mean, the, the friendship was so special, uh, so deep, so, so, so passionate, so powerful uh, that David said, yeah, you know, it's the sort of energy that people typically only find in, in, in romance. But, but it was powerful for me uh, just to be your friend. And he put that into a, a song uh, super powerful friendship You know, that's, that's the end That's the end of that story You know, what's interesting about this friendship Is really, you know, the two guys Did not get to spend A huge amount of time together And there was some period of time Between David killing Goliath And David running for his life uh, and And even during that time Their relationship was really tense Because Saul was trying to kill David And stuff like that You know, that puts a damper on things so it's not like you know they grew up together or anything like that. Uh, they they just kind of bonded immediately uh, through what they saw in, in each other. Jonathan seems to decide immediately, seeing David on the battlefield, that David is going to be his best buddy. Immediately he decides it at the moment. There's no ramp up, um, and you know from that day forward. Uh, they were close. How is it that they loved each other so deeply to the point of this embarrassing love song uh, at the end of, of Jonathan's life? And to answer that question, I think uh, you know, we need to ask uh, uh, another question. We need to ask a lot about what made these men tick. We're already trying to figure out what makes David tick in the sermon series, you may remember. The only thing we know about David when God anoints him as king is that David is what? A man after God's own heart. So we're trying to figure out what makes David tick, and so far we've seen that David lives his life—he uh, lives his life according to his own code of honor, right? He didn't need to kill Goliath. God didn't command him to kill Goliath, but he said, "Man, it's not right that people should defy the name of God like that." And so he killed Goliath. He didn't have to, but he did it as a point of honor because David was passionate about the reputation of God, something like that. So what about Jonathan then? What makes, what makes him tick? Do you think Jonathan's life, as we've presented it here this morning, do you think his life is a tragedy or a triumph? It's a guy, a good warrior, who basically ends up sacrificing his life for his father who is psychotic. Tragedy, triumph, maybe a little bit of both. It's interesting to think about how to read Jonathan's life. In Jonathan's situation, I think it would have been difficult to define what was right or wrong. I mean, would it have been right for Jonathan to defend David against his dad? Maybe try to overthrow his dad? Maybe pick up the spear and hurl it back at his dad? Would that have been justifiable? I think you could make a strong moral argument that, yeah, it, was totally, it would have totally been justified. It would have saved lives, you know, for one thing. You know, if somebody tries to kill you, it's not immoral to fight back. Um, was it right for Jonathan to stay at his father's side, even though his father was psychotic? Was that okay morally? Well, I mean, you know, honor your, your father and your mother, You know, he obviously didn't agree with his dad, but I don't know, it's his dad, you know? Somebody's got to stay in there and stick with him and try to make things right and try to protect him from his own worst qualities, which is what Jonathan did. Cost him his life, but he did it. Would it have been justifiable for Jonathan to say, hey, look, dad, I love you, but I can't be with you. I'm going to go run away with David and we're going to hide in the wilderness and, and, uh, build a, a gang of rogues, which is the story that we're going to read about next week, how David did that. Would that have been right? Would that have been morally justifiable? Yeah, you know, I think so. I think so. There's, he could have done any number of things and been right, right? But, but I don't think that's how Jonathan thought about life. I, did, I think he thought less about being right and more about being honorable, he wanted to do the honorable thing. I think we're largely defined by what we honor in our lives. You guys think about that much? Honor? We'll Talked about that a huge amount in our culture. But in this warrior culture, I think maybe it was kind of a, a big deal. I think you honor something by trying to give it additional value or additional recognition, even, even more than it, than it has um, you know, the Bible says that you have to forgive people who sin against you. That's, that's the rule. That's the law. So when somebody does something bad to you, somebody hurts you, what do you do? You forgive them, yes. But when a, a young woman uh, travels to South Africa to promote reconciliation after apartheid and gets killed by doing it, uh, as a college classmate of mine did, well, that's more than just obeying the rule of forgiveness, right? That's honoring forgiveness. That's going beyond the call of, of the law, so to speak, right? I read a story recently about uh, a mother uh, whose child was killed by a drunk driver, and she goes to court, argues that the drunk driver not be put into prison, and visits him. Uh, regularly, to help him get his life back on track okay so that 's like that 's forgiveness gone crazy right that 's not just obeying the law that 's honoring the principle of forgiveness that 's trying to empower it with even more value than than she would need to do you get it so that 's honoring something it 's celebrating something to have a moral relationship with someone means to behave well toward the person you know you don 't kill the person. <laughs> That would be immoral. Uh, you don't lie to the person. You share with the person if there is need. All of that stuff is moral. But to honor a relationship is different. You know, sometimes we ceremonialize uh, relationships. I had a, a, a friend when I was young who was several years older than I, and his family kind of henied me. His family actually was, was the reason that I came to faith back in the day. Uh, John McCown was his name. And I remember when I was four years old, uh, He was four. He was visiting me, and uh, he took out his uh, pocket knife, and uh, we cut ourselves and did the hand thing to become blood brothers because we were separated uh, geographically at that point. And he said, you know, I really want you to be family, though, so here, we're blood brothers. That's a guy thing. Yeah. Any women ever done that? Yeah, okay. There you go. Yes. Any other guys done that? Guess I'm the only real man. Who did? Quack? Oh, Juan. Oh, yeah, sure. Juan's in the armed forces. Justin did. It? Yeah. Okay, it's a little old-fashioned, but I mean that's trying to to impute. That's trying to add value to something. That anyway, that's what I think about when I think about honor. Um, marriage vows are a way of adding value uh, to an important relationship making it holy, set apart. You get the idea, right? I think Jonathan's life, you know, it was tragic in a way, but it was also a triumph of honor. You know, the Bible says to honor your father and your mother. Jonathan had a hard time obeying his dad. He disobeyed his dad in trying to preserve David's life, but he went to great lengths to honor his dad, to stick with his dad even though his dad was insane, sacrificing his life, actually. And of course, Jonathan honored David uh, by protecting him. Jonathan was a good friend and a good son in a situation in in which it was incredibly difficult to be either. And just makes him exceptional. He could have made different choices and been morally justified. He could have behaved differently and still been within the rules, so to speak. But it is hard to imagine how he could have behaved more honorably in his life. Are you feeling it? And this is really a story about about honor. Uh, And of course, Jonathan's behavior cost him dearly. Um, So to say his behavior was worth it, you'd have to be one of those people who think that principles count more than other sorts of successes. And David was the kind of guy who thought that principles count more uh, than other sorts of successes. Uh, when David and Jonathan parted ways, David bowed to him three times and never questioned Jonathan's choice to stay with his dad. Right? They could have argued about that. I can't believe you're going to stay with your dad instead of coming with me. You know your dad's trying to kill me, right? All he did was bow and say, "I get it. I get it, John. Do what you got to do." It's no wonder they, no wonder they loved each other uh, so much. I don't think either Jonathan or David had any other encouragers that we know of. Um, you know, we read in the first week of the sermon series that David's family totally undervalued him at first, right? When Samuel came to anoint one of the brothers as king, Jesse, David's dad, doesn't even bother to bring David in from the fields. You know, couldn't possibly be that little guy. And we read about how his brothers continued to mock him even after David had been anointed uh, as the future king. Saul abuses David for David's valor. You know, no encouragement to be an honorable person. John, uh, Saul um, tried to kill Dave, uh, Jonathan uh, when Jonathan acted honorably toward David. So not a lot of support in their, in their broader lives and that probably made them value each other all the more. Um, they valued in each other the thing that those around them refused to value. Precious relationship that way. The story suggests that that, that quality and seeing honor in another person is rare enough That when two people find it in each other, it's incredibly bonding. It's incredibly powerful. And I think that's what explains the friendship of David and Jonathan. They looked at each other, and they saw what was most true, most deep, most powerful in one another. It was that, that gift that people sometimes give each other that way. Oh, you see what is best in me. I see what is best in you, even if no one else sees it. We're going to do this in a way that makes each of us better, and if you're wise enough to recognize that when it happens, well, you're going to have some powerful friendships, you have some powerful relationships. If if you get really good at it, I think uh, it's true uh, in this world, unfortunately, that anyone interested in honoring God really honoring God, not just following the rules, but you know, living a life where you honor God, well, that person will have to be able to act independently from time to time if for no other reason than honor motivations can be hard to understand for an outside uh, observer. You think of what Jonathan's brothers or other friends might have said to him <clears throat> in the midst of this story. Uh, Yo, Jonathan, uh, your father just tried to kill you uh, for helping his enemy, and yet you're going back to his house and you're fighting by his side. Uh, Do you have some sort of martyr complex? I mean, maybe you need to get some therapy about this. Um, Isn't that what we call codependency, Jonathan? Um, Maybe you need to get that checked out. Isn't it time you showed your dad a little tough love? Jonathan. Uh, Here's a book on healthy boundaries, Jonathan. Um, You really need to get this worked out. I mean, you know, and all of that stuff could have been accurate enough. You know, it's hard to find somebody who just gets it when you're doing something that goes beyond the call, when you're doing something based on honor. Not everybody gets that. And if you try to live a life that honors God, you know, not everybody's going to get that all the time. Um, and it makes people who do get it a lot more valuable uh, to you. All right, so before we end this reflection on this most famous friendship in ancient history, I want to ask you one more question, uh, one more mystery uh, in the story of David and, and Jonathan. Okay, so go back to the beginning, uh, to the story of David and Goliath. Uh, so you remember the story, uh, the line of the Israelites on one side of the valley the line of the Philistines are on the other side of the valley. For 40 days, this giant steps out into the middle and says, Hey, send a champion. I'll fight one on one. And for 40 days, no one in the Israelite camp takes up the challenge until David shows up uh, and does it. And at that moment, Jonathan goes gaga over David's courage versus Goliath. We know that Jonathan was a man of courage himself right? Like he stormed the Philistine outpost in 1 Samuel 14. So here's my question. For 40 days, uh, Jonathan is sitting in the camp watching Goliath defy the armies of Israel. Why didn't Jonathan fight Goliath? Why didn't he go out there? I mean, he was a guy who had some spunk He was a guy who had some warrior attitude. Why didn't he go fight Goliath? He was the son of the king. He had proven himself courageous. Here's my theory, and I can't prove this. It's just a theory. Uh, Perhaps, as is uh, so, so often the case, when you hang around people who don't share your principles, who don't have the convictions of honor that you have, um, maybe Jonathan's higher senses were dulled. You know, he was hanging around with mediocre people, and it's hard to really be a person of honor when no one around you values it. So you get kind of worn down Bit by bit, you know, there's that funny modern proverb, it's hard to soar with an eagle when you hang out with turkeys. Um, you know, Jonathan had been an eagle, but he was hanging out with a lot of turkeys, with a lot of cowards. And, you know, if you're the only eagle. You start to gobble. Write that down. And, and I think Jonathan was sputtering. And remember, when Jonathan sees David... the fight, he immediately decides that David's going to be his best buddy. What's going on there? I think Jonathan has this moment. He said, that young man reminds me of who I should be. That young man reminds me of my best self. Doggone it, I need him in my life. I'm going to give him my bow. I'm going to give him, you know, my belt and, and my royal coat I'm going to do all that, and he's going to be my boy forever, because if I don't have him around, my gosh, I become a coward like the rest of them. You ever had anyone like that in your life who kind of reminds you of your better self, who inspires you? Do you have inspiring people in your life? This, this is the sort of, of friend I value more than any other friend, to tell you the truth, You know, I have lots of wonderful people in my life, lots of quality people in my life, lots of people in my life who are loaded with potential, lots of really, really interesting people in my life. But the person who feeds me more than any other kind of person is the person who inspires me. When I look at his or her life and I'm like, yes, that, yeah, that, that's, that's what I want from me. That's what I want out of my life, you know. I have lots of people who encourage me to be normal. I don't have a lot of people who inspire me to be excellent historically. Praise God, and I'm so thankful that in this church, I've collected quite a number of them, uh, and uh, hopefully we are inspiring each other to go beyond just, just the call of... The rules, and to live an honorable and truly excellent life. I just love inspirational people. I will travel thousands of miles just to hang out with someone who inspires me because I have learned how valuable that is in life and how absolutely necessary it is for me more than any other sort of interaction I just, I just need to hang out with people who are, you know, like Davids. It's like, yes, that's right. That is possible. I had forgotten. Oh, yes, that is how I'm supposed to live. That does work. You can live life with that attitude. I'd forgotten. i had forgotten. If you find a person like that in your life, if you find a person like that... Um, In this church. Honor them. Honor them, because they're going to help you. They're going to build you and free you. That's the story. That's really what this is about, if you want to be people of honor. If you want to be people of rules and just getting by and just kind of making do, you don't don't need that lesson. But, you know, if you want to be giant killers heroes in some sense, uh, then you have to learn uh, that lesson. I'd love for this community to be filled with people who do godly things, not because there's a rule that says you must, uh, but because, you know, you want to honor the Lord. You're living a life based on principles like that. There's no rule that says you've got to get to know your neighbors. But some of you do. You just burst through social boundaries. You're just trying to make a difference in in the lives of the people around you. If you don't try to make a difference for anyone this week, nobody will notice But if you do try to make a difference for the people around you this week, if you are ministering in your workplace, your neighborhood, or your classroom, then people of honor will see it. Not everyone will get it, but someone will see it. Everybody will excuse you if you live a mediocre life, you know, because it's morally justifiable. But a few people will go gaga uh, when you try to go beyond the basics. Those are the people that you want around you. Um, Nobody says that you have to serve in your church. Nobody says that you have to live on the edge financially for the sake of generosity and and mercy. Nobody says that you have to attack giants. Have to. But if you choose to try any of these things, I'll honor it. And I know that there are other people at Blue Water who will as well. I'll try to be, you know, a Jonathan for you. Uh, If for no other reason, because I know that when you do those things, it encourages me to do those things. and, And that's how I want to live. Let's pray about that. You know, there's that proverb, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I think there's probably a decision point in here uh, for those willing to be Jonathan's for folks, really to uh, honor people when they act honorably. It seems like a small thing, but in a community, it's a huge thing. So I'm just going to give you a moment uh, to reflect on that in your heart. Maybe uh, maybe God will speak to you like, yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to see people and I'm going to honor what's honorable in them. And then I think there's probably a moment or decision uh, for us as we decide whether we're going to live according to the rules merely or live according to honor, which is a much different sort of life. Maybe something in the story of of David is, is igniting your passion for honor. Yeah, that's a good way to live. with attitude. Father, we know that, uh, that when people encountered Jesus, when he walked the earth, there's just something uh, about the guy uh, that, uh, that got into people's hearts that inspired them to want to make change. Uh, that broadened their horizons and the way that they saw things. And we pray for an encounter with Christ that would do that in us. I pray that you would come and visit us as an inspiring friend, as someone uh, who, who, who reveals to us uh, what our life is, is actually like. We're thankful that you are our Savior. We are thankful for the gift of eternal life. Uh, We pray, Lord, for the gift of abundant life on earth as well, a life filled uh, with challenge and honorable conquest in Jesus' name. Amen.